0: Reading is from John's Gospel, starting at the first verse, and it's on page 1063 in the Red Bibles. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, there are some towns in Australia in recent times, uh, within the last six months, have had three occasions where they've had a one in 100 year flood. Now, in my undergraduate uh, degree, when I studied geography, the idea was that the highest water level mark that could hit in 100 years, that was the level of a one in 100 year flood. But the idea was that it sort of roughly happened every 100 years and there were lower level floods that happened every 50 years. So, what do we do when there's been three of those in less than six months? Well, now there's some people who are uh, climate change uh, uh, doomsdayers and so for them it's kind of, well, this is what we've been saying all along, that the world is uh, fastly being destroyed and and, uh, it's already too late for us to do anything. Now on the other end of the spectrum, there's people who are climate change deniers and it's kind of like, well, we just need to change the definition. It's not a one in a hundred year flood, that's the one in every three month flood now. And there's all types of people on that spectrum and there's Christians who are on all types of that spectrum. I've met people who are passionate about caring for God's creation and therefore they say they're an environmentalist and there are people that you could think of that are like that. I've also met people who are saying, well, God has always had changes in the climate, such as the Ice Age, and therefore, whatever God wants for the climate, we just need to do. And if the climate is changing, well, that's obviously God's will, so we don't need to do anything about it. There's all kinds of people on that spectrum. And so, I wonder where you sit on that spectrum. I wonder where you sit on that spectrum idea of from the most radical views of we're all destroying the planet to the most radical view of we don't need to do anything at all. I wonder where you sit on that spectrum. Now there's actually been a lot of talk about climate change in recent months and perhaps we might know that uh, at the recent election that there were people who had ideologies about climate change that seemed to get elected in, and people who had different ideologies about climate change got elected out. And perhaps whilst we might have wanted to continue that idea of talking about climate change, it seems as though we've uh, just rolled into the next crisis as we now talk about an energy crisis, and people are saying, let's switch the coal-fired power stations back on so we can have cheap electricity. But I want us to, whilst I'm not actually uh, making a commentary on any of those political positions, I do want us to see that it is a political issue. It is an ideology that is underpinning all of these. American writer Seth Godin suggests that all of these issues around climate are not political because of the science. The science is clear. It's political because nobody can agree on the way forward. It's the way forward, what do we do about this, that there's disagreement and that's why it's become a sense of ideology. There are ideologies that underpin the variety of responses to the climate change. And therefore, they have become political issues. So, the question is, how should Christians respond? How how should we respond? Well, perhaps Christians need to see, what what does the Bible teach us about God who created the heaven and the earth? So that as we look at climate change, as we look at environmental issues, as we look at the way in which humans impact the world around us, we're not swayed by particular secular ideologies, but we're actually directed by what the Bible might teach us. So, in many ways, over these three weeks, as we talk about God the Creator, I'm actually going to ask us to lift our eyes off some of the political debates that are happening in our world, to see a theological perspective. And I think if we look at the Bible, and, and we're going to look at John's Gospel today, we're going to look at Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 in the, the following weeks, when we look at those, it actually paints a theological picture for us about how the world is created and, 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 and the order that God has put into our creation. Because the reality is that the Bible is not actually history. The Bible was not trying to write a historical account as we know it today. The Bible is also not trying to write science as we know it today. The people who wrote various books of the Bible, remember it's a library of books all pulled together, the variety of people who wrote each of those books... Don't have our understanding of science or how we write history in 2022. So we can't use our 2022 understanding of history and science to critique these passages. So as we explore the Gospel of John, as we explore the book of Genesis, we need to understand that these are not scientific accounts, they're theological accounts. Perhaps science is trying to answer the what question, what happened, or even the how question, how did the world get created? But theology answers the why question. The Gospel of John is trying to say why was the world created. The Bible doesn't seek to tell us how God created the heaven and earth, but why God created heaven and earth. And many of the uh, why questions that we have in 2022 aren't answered by science. Actually, they're answered by ideologies and theories, not scientific evidence, because that's not what science is trying to do. And that's why we need to turn to theology to understand some of those why questions. Is it any wonder That people are searching for meaning when they've taken theology out of the equation when they start to look for meaning at life because science is not trying to answer the questions that people are asking but when we include God in the picture we start to see that there are answers to questions that give us meaning so what do Christians believe about creation The environment and climate. Well, I think it all begins with God. In the beginning was God. I don't know whether you have a favourite book or a favourite movie that has one of those classic opening scenes. Perhaps one of the most iconic pieces of writing is the opening of John's Gospel and David, with his amazing voice, captured it so well. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What an amazing piece of writing that is. But it gives us the theological image that before anything that we know or understand was created, God was there. The original language actually uses the word logos, logos for what we translate as the Word. The English translation can sometimes be confusing when we think of the Word of God here in this passage, but we also call the whole book of the Bible the Word of God, don't we? Here, John is not talking about a Bible was created at the beginning. No, he's talking about Jesus, the Son of God, was there at the very beginning. As Lisa shared with us last week about Trinity Sunday, we understand that God the Trinity, God the relationship, was there from the very beginning. Jesus and the Spirit, as Jess pointed out to us, was there at the very beginning. And so in verse 14 of John's Gospel, we see that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. This paints the theological idea for us, that yes, there was Trinity at the beginning, but also that Jesus, the Son, wasn't created at His birth on Christmas Day, or what we know is Christmas Day, but Jesus was actually there from the very beginning. And why is this so important for us to understand God, the Creator, and what is this? tell us about Christian's view on the climate? Well, it gives us the theological understanding that Jesus can command creation because He is the Creator. In the Gospel accounts, when Jesus commands the forces of nature, when He commands a demon to go, when He commands someone to get better, when He calms the storm, he can do all of this because Jesus is God and Jesus created the created item that he's commanding. So, when Jesus calms the storm, he can do this because he's telling what he created what to do. And so, this opening of John's Gospel reminds us of such a great theological position that in the beginning was God, but it also gives us a theological position that God is over creation. God is not part of the creation that we see around us. God is not at the whim of nature like the rest of us. And it's important for us to understand that theologically because some of the ideologies that drive political commentary on climate change say that everything is at the whim of the ecosystem and we need to understand the theological position that God is not at the whim of nature, nature is at the whim of God who created it. God is over the creation. We understand this in one way in our world today. When we look at something that was created, we want to understand more about the Creator. When we look at the Sydney Opera House, we want to know more about Utzon who created it. When we see the first iPhone, we want to know more about the person who created it, the team that created it. When we see a wonderful dress or an item of fashion, we want to know who the designer was. When we have a wonderful meal, we don't thank the meal itself, we want to know who was the cook or the chef who made it. This concept of looking beyond the creation to the Creator is woven through our culture, even if people don't really understand what it is, because actually our whole heart yearns to understand God who created. The principle is so true because it's true about God. God is above the creation because God created all things. And this is such an important theological point for us, because who can save us if nobody is above the creation? Secular ideologies start with the idea that all of us are in this mess. All of us are in this uh, creation that's, that's at, at trouble. All of us are at the whim of the system. There's nobody outside the system that can somehow give us direction. But Jesus is above creation. Jesus enters into creation and dwells with us. Jesus is both the perfect example of what it means for us to be human, but it also points the way to God who created the heavens and the earth. Therefore, in the Gospel of John, John starts his whole narrative with the perspective that at the very beginning was God, Jesus, who was God. And then throughout the rest of John's Gospel, he's going to unpack who this person was and why he can save you. So the whole narrative of John's Gospel is put into perspective when we understand that Jesus was there before anything else was created. And because Jesus sits above creation, then Jesus can redeem us and save us. We actually need someone outside of the system to come into the system in order to save us. And so the theological lesson of of the Gospel of John, but also, most importantly, this opening passage can be found in verses 12 and 13. This is kind of like the central argument of the whole Of this opening passage of John's Gospel. Yet all who receive it, verse 12, all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of human descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. It's through Jesus redeeming the world that all of us are made right with God, but also through Jesus coming into creation, Jesus incarnate, we have the possibility of understanding the will of God and how all things might fit together. And we don't have time here today to unpack it, but Jesus goes on to initiate the renewal of all things. So again, Jesus as as Jess said in the, the All Ages talk, Jess. Said that Jesus enters into the world to help solve the world's problems. And that's not just our own suffering and futility, but also the way in which we're dealing with creation. In Colossians 1 verse 16, it says, for in Him, this is talking about Jesus, for in Him all things were created, things in the heaven and the earth, visible and invisible. So, Jesus created everything, and Jesus is redeeming everything, and Jesus is renewing everything. So we will want to understand how we're to view the environment, to view, really, most of the issues that our world is wrestling with. We need to lift our eyes off the political and ideological arguments of our world and lift our eyes to Jesus, because Jesus sits above it. And sits as Creator over it and therefore can redeem it. But here's the warning to Christians as we engage in climate change debates and environmental issues. We need to be very careful of what sometimes has been referred to God in the gaps. Over the centuries, whenever science has developed, but they can't quite explain some things. Christians have said, well, That's just the mystery of God. God is the creator of all things and if we can't understand it, it's just the mystery of God. It's kind of called the the God in the gaps. When there's a gap in our thinking, we we just explain it away by the mystery of God. But it's shown to be a faulty argument when science comes along and then explains something. And no doubt, in our lifetime, we'll see science develop even more understanding of the gaps in our thinking, and no doubt there will be people who will have scientific ways to solve the climate issues that we're facing, and we don't want to have a theological position of God in the gaps, and and then science comes up with something that can almost refute or compete with our understanding of God. We definitely don't want to pit science and Christianity together, and I haven't, uh, heard all of it, but I believe that Karen Hale spoke about that last year in the, the videos on our on our website. So, the Gospel of John is inviting us to lift our eyes up to the spiritual Kingdom of God. It's not, it's not saying to us, don't worry about the world. Christians should be worried about these debates. It's not saying, don't worry about the world, don't, it's not even encouraging us to escape the world, but it's actually asking us to look at the kingdom of heaven and see how the kingdom of heaven is breaking into our earth, and through Jesus, the renewal of all things will take place. It's the kingdom of heaven breaking into our world, which is where our eyes should be fixated. Our eyes should be fixated not on creation itself but on the God who created all things. I don't know whether you've ever been walking with people and they see an amazing sunset and if they're not a believer, their marvel just stops at the marvellous sunset. But I don't know about you but whenever I see a glorious sunset, my eyes are lifted beyond the creation itself to the God who created it. And how God is so amazing, so unique that there's no two sunsets that are the same. The same way that that reminds me that God created each one of us, that there's no two people that are the same. All of creation reminds us to lift our eyes to who God is and how God created the heaven and the earth. So I'm not here over these next three weeks to tell you how to respond to climate change. I actually don't have the answers for all the climate issues. And I want us to see that even those who are trying to propose solutions, that they actually have ideologies underpinning some of their views that we need to critique. And I'm not just critiquing the doomsdayers or the skeptics, I'm I'm critiquing the whole spectrum if it's not based around a theological position that acknowledges God as the Creator over creation. And so, in the coming weeks, we're going to explore this a little bit more by looking at Genesis 1 and 2 And again, we'll see that Genesis 1 is not trying to give us a seven-day creation like that's how it scientifically happened, but there's a theological position there that God created order into creation. And then we'll look at garden and and the archetypal human in Adam and Eve and see that actually it says something about us as humanity as well. But I want to finish with this uh, quote from N.T. Wright, And he's talking about how we should read Scripture to see the beauty of creation but it points to God. If the beauty of creation is a constant pointer to the glory of God, and if the story of Jesus is a story of His unveiling glory, then we ought to be reading this story with our eyes and ears open to this kind of meaning. And the Gospel of John, to be sure, is this, the vivid and haunting exchanges between Jesus and His friends, Jesus and His mother, Jesus and strangers, Jesus and His unexpected actions and flights of explanation, all this infuses a down-to-earth first-century story with beauty. In the way that the twilight invests ordinary objects and scenes with strange meaning. I love that quote because it's saying to us that when we read the Scriptures, we should be seeing the beauty in the Scriptures, but it should point us to God. Because, as we've heard, the Gospel of John is unveiling Jesus, the Creator. So, let me pray. Gracious God, we thank You for Your creation. What we see in the Scriptures, the whole creation groans. And Lord, we see that in our world today. But help us lift our eyes off the ideologies of this world, the ideologies that don't give us meaning. Help us focus on You. And Lord, we pray that your kingdom would be here on earth as it is in heaven. And we make this prayer in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, we're going to stand and sing.